0: For time purposes, I'm going to be reading the scripture as we uh, go through it. We're continuing our series um, through the book of Matthew, uh, a story bigger than your own. And you know, as the uh, we met some of our college student friends, you know, my guess is, are you guys about doing midterms now? Or yeah, right? It's right about the time of midterms, right? We got to take tests, and in, sometimes we have to take tests, right? Whether it's a medical test, it's a school test. Uh, and then other times we give tests to see if something kind of meets our expectations or what we want. Um, our, uh, a couple months ago our car uh, was in an accident so we had to get a new car. Uh, and so we went on test drive. Uh, we went and test drive vehicles. Anyone here lately do a test drive, have to test drive vehicles? No, Well, we we had to, and one of the things about test driving a vehicle is that you, first of all, test to see if the car matches your wants, your expectations, if it fits you, so you might take a car on a test drive and just say, now, this isn't the car for me, whatever, the model, the make, whatever, and you kind of just reject that car as a possibility. That's one option. Uh, the other is maybe the car, you like it and it's good in many ways, but you want to modify it just a little bit so that it matches what you're really looking for. So for us, we got a car that's a little bit smaller than our Forester. So I said, hey, if you put a trailer hitch on that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it uh, because then I can, you know, carry stuff in it. So we either We take things for a test drive. We can reject those things, or we can modify them to fit our wants and expectations. I bring this up because, you know, unfortunately, many people approach Jesus that way. Uh, In other words, I'll take him for a test drive, and, you know, if his words and if he kind of matches what I want, then, okay, no problem. I'll, I'll, I'll take him. I'll buy in. Now, the problem... He's the son of God, right? He is the authority. So he is the one to test us. We're not to test him. And in today's scripture that we're going to be going through, we're going to see that various religious leaders test Jesus three times, and then Jesus tests them. And the religious leaders, they test Jesus. They don't understand the real issues behind following him, And we start to understand that they know about the Messiah and the transformation that the Messiah is supposed to bring, but they don't know the Messiah, and they're not transformed by him. This becomes clear uh, through a series of tests, again, that are described in this passage. And just to remind you of the context so that we can understand what's going on, is that this section, Matthew twenty-two, fifteen 15 through 46, that's our scripture. So you might want to you know, look on your phones or take your, your, your pew Bibles out. Um, the context of this is there is a lot of conflict with the religious leaders because Jesus, he comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, clears the temple, showing himself, proclaiming himself both symbolically and many other ways that he is the Messiah, the one they've been waiting for. The religious leaders, they don't like that. They don't like what he's doing. And so they reject him. They're um, contending with him. And Jesus tells a series of parables. We covered this last week and the week before that basically talk about the religious leaders. They're rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting God. And therefore, their place in the kingdom will be given to others. And they don't like this, so they they start to test Jesus. They start to go on the offensive, and that's what we read about here, these tests. And what I want you to notice is that these tests aren't, they're not testing Jesus because they really want to learn and grow and follow God. They're testing Jesus to justify their preconceived notions, to justify that, no, this is, uh, we're right in rejecting him. And that's what these are going on. So, we're not going to dig deep into each one of these tests. Instead, we're going to look at the big picture. So, the first test is found in Matthew 22, verses 15 through 22. It says, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle Jesus in his words. And they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, We know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you're not swayed by appearances. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? just want to pause there what's going on here is that, so the Pharisees take along Herodians, okay? This is an unlikely pairing. So these two groups are groups of uh, Jewish leaders at the time. Pharisees, they're more popular with the uh, common people, um, they are, but they are religious uh, scribes and, and leaders, uh, especially in the synagogues. The Herodians, they're They're kind of on the other side of the spectrum. They're called Herodians because they follow the family of Herod, okay? The family of Herod is that family where the Romans sort of gave Herod and his family the the kingdom to rule over Israel to help collect taxes to support the Roman oppressor state, okay? So it's very unlikely that these two would come to test Jesus, But that's what they do. And Jesus, he calls them out because notice they start things with niceties. Oh, Jesus, we know that you're true and teach the way of God truthfully. You don't care about anyone's opinion. And then tell us what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? That's a trap. Now, I would put the Admiral Akbar, it's a trap meme, up. But the last time we did that, they, we, it, they cut off our live feed because of copyright infringement. But anyways, I can send you that meme if you're interested. The, it's, it's a classic meme. Um, the reason it's a trap, though, is because if Jesus says, don't, uh, don't pay your taxes those taxes go to support the Romans who are oppressing us, then the Herodians will tell the Romans and Jesus would get in trouble. Uh, so that's one side. And, but if he says, you know, yes, pay your taxes, then those people who look at the Romans as oppressors, they'll say, oh, um, Jesus, he's a sellout to the Romans. See, what they've tried to do is have a gotcha kind of question. Like either way, we've got you. We well, are trapped. And look at how Jesus answers. Jesus, verse 18, but Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Again, he, he realizes they're not actually trying to find truth. They don't really think he's a great teacher who, uh, like, they're, they're being hypocritical and they're trying to trap him. So, yeah, why put me to the house? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. So here Jesus masterfully gets out of their little trap and what he does is he rejects their either or framing because they think this is a gotcha moment because either or, like either you're for the Romans or against him or whatever. And he answers this question by having them bring this coin. And it, the, the, the image on the coin, Caesar, it points to the reality of this world that whether we like it or not, there are different authorities in this world. Some of them serve God, some of them don't. And in this, there's different authorities with different spheres. And we live in this world with all of its various power structures and authorities. But yet God is still sovereign. And we're not of this world. Our allegiance is to an eternal kingdom because God and his Messiah are sovereign all over all. And Jesus, he sort of threads this needle in this trap. And so what the Pharisees and the Herodians are doing is they're trying to test Jesus against po- their political ideas, right? Is that, all right, these are our political ideas and Jesus, we, we're gonna test you against these things. And our, their hope was that in some way, he would be discredited through one side or the other. And we could really dig deeper into this, but I wanna look at the big picture But one of the things I want us to realize is the purpose of their questions, though, and this is the context, is not to learn the best way to follow God. The the context of their question isn't, you know, as a believer in Yahweh, I want to know the best way to relate to the political powers, the political spheres. That's not their purpose, is it? No, their purpose is to test Jesus. They wanted a gotcha moment. All right, I'm going to go back to this in a second. But then we see another religious group, okay, called the Sadducees. They come and they have another test for Jesus. This is in the next section, verse 23. That same day, Sadducees came to him who say there is no resurrection, and they asked him a question. So, the Sadducees, that's another religious group that we, you had. The Pharisees, they were more popular and more influential with the common people. The Sadducees, they were more of the aristocrats. They uh, oversaw the temple, they uh, were more influential in the ruling council called the Sanhedrin. And they differed quite a bit with the Pharisees and with Jesus because they didn't believe in a resurrection. One of the reasons they didn't believe that is that they, tr- they treated the first five books of the Old Testament, the, the Pentateuch, the B- books of Moses, those were the books that were binding. And the prophets and all that stuff, yeah, they might be okay, but you can't uh, use them for doctrine. And so they believed, they didn't believe in the resurrection. And that's what they're testing Jesus on. And notice... The the Pharisees are using a political gotcha question, and now the Sadducees, they're going to try to use a gotcha question with, with theology and with logic. Okay? So, let's continue. Verse 24. So the Sadducees, they say, Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now... So again, that's an Old Testament reference that in that day and age of, of Moses, that because you were so tied to the land and because it was a, a, a very important to raise up offsprings that were connected to the land, if your brother, uh, if you had a brother and, and he died, you would take his wife and raise up children for him. That's what they're talking about here, okay? So he's, they're referring to that. He says, now, there were seven brothers among us The first married and died, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. So, too, the second and third, down to the seventh. After them, after them all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. Ha-ha, gotcha, Jesus. Gotcha. Right? there. Here's the thing, is that they have... This, this question to test Jesus with theology, with, with logic. That if there's a resurrection, again, what happens? What happens at the resurrection? And Jesus answers this way, verse 29. But Jesus answered them, you are wrong, because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. So here, just, you know, just quickly, the the Sadducees, they're trying to test Jesus. And in their test, they show that they're the ones who are failing. They're the ones who fail to understand a couple of things. They don't understand the power of God, and they don't understand the nature of the resurrection. They, they don't understand the, the re, what resurrected life will be like, that God's power, he can resurrect us in a new body, in a new capacity for relationships that render marriage and procreation obsolete. Uh, it's, is, again, it, he compares us, we're going to be like angels in heaven. Not only that, but God is the God of the living, meaning God's, God is eternal, and his relationships and his promises are eternal, so that if you have a relationship with God, with a living God, then your relationship will live on. Like God's power, his eternity, his relationships, his promises are stronger than the grave, so he, he, G, Jesus explains to the Sadducees that they don't understand these things. They don't understand the power of God. They don't understand the nature of the resurrection. And because of that, their test is invalid. Now, we could dig into each one of these tests a little bit more. But again, I want us to look at the big picture. Because the, the purpose of the Pharisees and the Herodians' questions again, was not, I really want to understand better the relationship between you know my faith and the government. That's not what they were doing. They were testing Jesus. They had a political test. The Sadducees, they were not asking Jesus these questions because they wanted to understand deeper the reality of the resurrection or who God is and how his promises can transcend the grave. That's not what they were doing. No, they had a preconceived theological slate of truths and if Je- they're testing jesus against these things and if jesus doesn't match them would they then take their theological or their political thinking and say okay jesus doesn't match it so i'm going to toss my political thinking i'm going to toss my theological thinking because jesus is the messiah he's the one i need to follow were they going to do that no they were using these things to reject Jesus. And so the question comes for us what do we have? What kind of tests, preconceived ideas do we have that we measure Jesus against? And if you're here or you're watching online, my guess is, yeah, you don't reject Jesus, although some of you might be not totally on board and buying in with Jesus yet. And, and so you may be doing that. You may be testing Jesus to see if he matches what you want and your expectations. And if he doesn't, you'll end up rejecting him. That's possible. But my guess is it's more likely you'll modify who Jesus is to match your expectations. That's what we tend to do we create jesus in our image but remember who is he he's the messiah he's the son of god so we are the ones who are not to reject and modify we're the ones who we're supposed to repent trust in jesus and then modify our lives and our thoughts to be in line with him not the other way around but so many times that's what we do so many times that's what Jesus' opponents did. All right, I've got to get through this other tests, right? So let's keep going. Test three. So the Pharisees, they tried the gotcha politics. The Sadducees tried the gotcha theology. But there's one more test. And that is in verses 34 through 40. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees. Now that they probably like, they're probably like, oh yes, Jesus silenced the Sadducees because we don't agree with them either. They gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked asked Jesus a question to test him. Again, this is still a test. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Interesting. See, the other tests were kind of gotcha tests. I'm going to try to trap Jesus. But this one is more of an open-ended question. Maybe seeing if Jesus would trap himself. What is the greatest commandment? And Jesus, he answers in a way that the Pharisees would actually agree with. He says the greatest commandment, and then he quotes uh, Deuteronomy 6, 5, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he says, and then the other commandment is like it, and then he quotes Leviticus 19, 18, you will love your neighbor as yourself. And as we look at the Jewish writing of the time, as we look at Luke 10, 25 through 28, which also talks about something similar, it confirms, actually, the, the Pharisees would have agreed with this. So here's a test where there's not a disagreement, There's agreement. The Pharisees and Jesus, they would answer the question the same way. That all other commands flow from these two, love God and love people. Jesus says that, all right, if you want a legitimate sort of test of faith, it's do you love God and do you love people? That's the measure of our faith. So it's, it's not just what we know. It's not like our faith is a multiple choice test where we say, all right, this is right. You know, yes, no, true, false, true, false. Okay, I've got all the answers right. Jesus says that the test of faith is love. He says that all people will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Now, love is a verb. Love is something not you just know. It's something you do. Love has an object. So you can know all sorts of stuff, but still not love. And I think that's why this test is brought in here because it shows oh, Jesus and the Pharisees actually were quite close theologically compared to again the Sadducees and the Herodians. But yet they're not passing the test of faith. That that they may agree with in some information, but even in that information, that truth is not leading to their transformation. Because that can be the case with us as well, is we can know the truth, but is it leading towards transformation, a transformed life where we're walking in accord with not just what God wants us to know, but what God wants us to do, how he wants us to live. He wants us to love. Love is a verb. Uh, 1 John 3 17 and 18 says this will be on the screen that says if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him how does god's love abide in him little children let us not love in word or talk but in deed and in truth see love is not just a concept it's a verb it's an action so the pharisees they would agree theologically theologically Jesus and the Pharisees, they're, they're on the same page with this answer. But yet, by their actions, they're not showing that they love God and love people. After all, how can you love God and reject his son? How can you love people but kill the innocent, which they're about to do? They're going to conspire to kill Jesus. You see, this is where we see the importance that truth and love, they, they work together when it comes to our faith. That if we just have a test of faith as if it's a multiple choice question, yeah, that's insufficient, right? But how we love, how we are transformed is based in truth. You can't have one with the, without the other. Because see, the, the Pharisees, if you were to interview them, They're, they would say, you know, I love God. I love God. That's why I'm opposing Jesus. Because if, if I love God, I should oppose this one who's not the Messiah saying he's the Messiah. You see, doctrine is insufficient, an insufficient test, but it's still an important foundation from which our actions flow because all of their hostility towards Jesus flowed from their refusal to recognize the truth that he was the Messiah. So because of that, Jesus gives them the final test to bring them the, back to the basics to expose how, how they were failing in all of their, they're testing him, but they're actually the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they're actually failing the tests because their foundation is not on the truth, but it's on a falsehood. So Jesus gives them the final test. This is the final chunk of scripture. Verse 41. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him. So again, this, what's the question? His test is, all right, hey, the, the Christ, the Messiah? Who is he? Whose son is he? Do you know about the Messiah? And they say to him, the son of David. Again, this unpacks all sorts of scriptures that prophesy that the Messiah is going to be a descendant of David, a son of David. And then Jesus said to them, well, how is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord? And now he quotes Psalm 110, a psalm written by David. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. <laughs> you see, if if they don't even understand the scriptures that pointed to the Messiah, that sort of said that this Messiah would be not just a person, but wait, he would be eternal. Because David, centuries before Jesus, called him Lord. But if they don't even understand the, the scriptures about the Messiah, why should anyone trust them to know the Messiah, even if he's standing right in front of them? You see, if they don't know the Messiah, then he can't give them the new heart, the new spirit that was promised. So that they can love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. So they can love their neighbor. So, you see, these are basic commandments. Love God, love people. Going back to that third test. These, these are simple to know, right? Even, even now, you all will probably already know it in your head. Love God, love people, right? That's an easy shorthand for these two commandments. What the whole Bible, is, these two commandments sum up the whole Bible, right? So say it with me. Love God, love people. Easy to know, but so hard to live. It's hard to live. Why? Because God, when we, uh, when we want to love him with all of our whole m- mind, soul, and strength, we often treat other things as more important than God. We fail in so many ways. When we go to love people as ourselves, we realize when we look at our lives that, no, no. I don't love my neighbor as myself. See, we need the Messiah. So many Old Testament scriptures talk about when the restoration comes, when Messiah comes and restores us. He will give us a new heart and a new spirit right? The prophet Jeremiah, the prophets Ezekiel talk about this, how God will pour out his spirit. He will give us a new heart so that we would want to follow him. Because the fact is, is even when we know the commandments, even if they're summed up in two, we cannot follow them on our own strength, in our own power. We need a transformation. And that's exactly what the Messiah brings. So the test that the Pharisees and Jesus agree on. Yeah, they agree on the facts of it. But the fact is that they can't live it out without truly understanding who Jesus is. That's why the question of Jesus' identity is so fundamental to the Christian faith. He is the Messiah. So, As we seek to apply this, because you might be like, oh yeah, that's all been very interesting, Pastor Joe, but what does that make a difference? I'm not a Pharisee, I'm not a Sadducee, I'm not a Herodian, you know. Well, I think this has quite a bit. And that is, first of all, are you testing Jesus? Now, don't get me wrong, if you're truly questioning about who Jesus is and you're trying to figure out the truth of who he is, I'm glad you should keep pressing in, keep seeking who he is. But that's not what's going on in this scripture. And let's face it, a lot of times that's not what's going on in our hearts. Is that we have this preconceived idea of, all right, this is what I want in a religion. This is what I want in spirituality. And if Jesus meets these things, great. I'll follow him. But if he doesn't, I'll reject him. What are those things? They, so many times they can be political. They can be theological. They can be cultural. Or our upbringing. But if Jesus is who he said he is, if he is the Messiah... We don't test him. We receive him. We repent and run to him and say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins so that I can know God, so that I can be transformed, that you can bring me into a story bigger than my own. Because if, if, the, if the Jesus you follow never confronts you, never disagrees with you, never says you are wrong, you need to get on the right path, then you're not following Jesus, Jesus is following you. And that's a dangerous place to be because that's when we make God in our own image. And so ask yourself, what are certain things? What are things that I test Jesus with? And it might not be, and again, if you're sitting in this place, I'm assuming it's not the case where you reject Jesus, but you might modify him a bit to match so what political things do you have and i'm saying this because next year is an election year and i'm not looking forward to it <laughs> because and it's usually not overt usually it's the framing of the issues the framing of the issues it's not from the scriptures it's usually from a political party in They're the ones who frame it, and you just follow that framing. Jesus rejected that. They wanted to frame it. Okay, Jesus, are you on this side of the Herodians? Pay your taxes. Or on this side of more of the zealots? And Jesus says, I reject the premise. I reject your framing. God is bigger than those things. But so many times when we read the scriptures, what will we do? we'll say, all right, I have a preconceived notions of how we should relate to the government, how we should treat this issue and this issue. And oh, look, I just happen to be able to find scriptures that confirm my preconceived belief. No, we must look at the scriptures and then as the scriptures, they will challenge us and they will cause us not to fit in any political category. Or again, we can have theology or ethics. If again, so many things, our upbringing, our culture, We can have been brought up a certain way, so we read the scriptures in a certain way. And we don't test Jesus. We don't conform Jesus. Jesus is the one to do the testing. So what ideas, what standards are we using? Because really, what is the test, my friends? It's love. But truth and love go together. So that when we have the truth of the scripture, we have the truth of who Jesus is, and then we daily go to Jesus and ask him to change us from the inside out, then there is that transformation where the truth transforms us. We can't have transformation without the truth of who Jesus is, because again, it's not in us. We don't have the love necessary, the, the, the power necessary to transform ourselves. We need Jesus for that, and he, that's what he promises So when we trust him as the Messiah and we entrust his truth of who he is and what he's calling us to do and daily we make the choice not to test Jesus but to test ourselves against Jesus then he'll have us take a step and he will empower us through his spirit to change us from the inside out so that we can love the way that God calls us to love. So that it's not just a test, a multiple choice test where you've got all the doctrine down, but don't love. No, they both go together. Where yes, you understand who Jesus is. Yes, you understand the right answers. But then through that truth and through the spirit, the Messiah transforms your heart day by day. So that we're more like him so that we're loving God in a way that we couldn't love him ourselves. I can't love God the way that he is worthy of in my own strength. I need the Holy Spirit of God to transform me so I can actually begin to love God in that way. I can't love my neighbor. I can't love y'all like you should be loved on my own strength because my love is so limited But I can begin to do that as daily the Spirit fills me so that I can love in a way that God loves. Because that's the test. The test isn't the knowledge. It's the love. And because of that, though, that's why the Pharisees failed. That's why we fail. But we need both. We need the truth. We need the love. And the Spirit of God and the Word take these things and transform us so that we start to reflect Jesus in everything we do. Let's pray. Dear God, would you move in this place? Would you move in our hearts? We confess how we fall so short of loving you and loving people. We confess, Lord, that we have so many tests that are based in ourselves and not based in you. Lord, we repent. We repent of the political, theological, other tests, cultural tests that we put against you and modify who you are. And instead, Lord, we trust in you who you are. And Lord, if there are any here who are struggling with who you are, I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd move in their hearts so that they would trust in you. And Lord, for those of us who have trusted who you are, Lord, change us, transform us. Show us in our hearts what we need to put aside so that we can know you and follow you. Lord, show us what it means to love. And bring to mind, Lord, people in our lives, specific people who we can show your love to. Bring to mind those ways, Lord, where we are loving things above you and not loving you above all things. And during this time, Lord, as we sing your praises, would you change us from the inside out, transform us by your truth. We thank you, Lord. And Lord, if there is any here who are feeling they have failed the test, we thank you, God, that we can come to you right now, today, the test giver. And receive grace and mercy, forgiveness and strength. That you can set us right through your grace and mercy. Lord, do that in us and through us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.